Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Yes That Girl podcast. My name is Valerie Winrow and I am your host. And if today is your first time tuning in, welcome. And to those who are so gracious with your time that you join me on a regular basis, welcome back, family. It's great to have you today. I am talking today about gratitude, love, and hope with a focus on literacy and investing in your brain. And here today to help me talk to you guys about this is my good friend, Cherie Hardy. You're going to hear more from her about her online bookstore and all the great things that she's doing to to support literacy in and around the world. Okay, this is going to be a great show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. We'll be right back with Cherie Hardy. Here on the Yes That Girl podcast and also on my blog, we often talk about how you can change your life simply by changing your mind. It has been said that people perish because of lack of knowledge. Taking time to improve your base of knowledge and and really opening up your mind opens up your life to a multitude of possibilities. Improving your life begins with your brain and your body. When you nurture both, you'll find that you have more energy, strength, endurance, knowledge, and ideas to set the path for an amazing journey for yourself. In today's show, my guest, Cherie Hardy, is an award-winning educator, author, and entrepreneur. She has dedicated her life to literacy and encouraging people to invest in their brain. Her online bookstore has gone mobile with plans to travel the world, sharing the gift of literacy and empowering others to change their lives by expanding their knowledge. The next voice you hear will be that of Cherie Hardy of Avant-Garde Books. I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, and um, I was born actually in a small town in Florida. And um, But at a certain point after my parents, divorced. My father is actually from this area. And so my mom moved back to Daytona and that's where I spent my childhood since I was three. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you're in Georgia now, right? Right. Yeah. I'm in Georgia now. I relocated um, to Georgia in 1998. So it's been 22 years and I actually went to school here. So um, it was just really coming back to Georgia and I spent, you know, half of my childhood here from my parents' side of the, fa- my father's side of the family. So Georgia has always been on my mind, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it always like Georgia is always on everyone's mind? I guess. Yes. I'm a, yes. I'm a native, so I can say stuff like that. Wow. Just- wow. Are you a great <laughs> baby? I know some people from here, they claim that graded baby status. Are you a great yes. baby? Yes. Wow. That's yes. awesome. That is awesome. I am a proud Grady baby, a sweet Georgia peach, and yeah, everything else that goes along that's wonderful about Georgia, is all, that's who I am. Yeah, it's a beautiful state, I, I tell <laughs> you, and, and I love feeling like right now fall is coming in, and I feel it, and I yeah. wouldn't feel this in Florida. You know, you really, I always joke with people, you really get two seasons, spring and summer, <laughs> so I actually feel the, I can feel the wind, I can see the leaves falling from the trees, that's why I love this state. Well, I yeah. was talking about that on my last show, like um, not many people I talk to 
can really say that they they come from a place where there's only like two seasons. I guess I I know more people in the southeast, and mm-hmm. like we all kind of experience these different seasons. But I, I think it's important to kind of get those differences. I think it does something for you mentally. It, it does. Yes. And, you know, yeah, I, I love it. And even though I don't like the winter too long, I love the fact that I can experience snow. The only time I experienced snow growing up is when I would be here for Christmas. I remember one Christmas, I, we were here. My sister, my late sister was and I were here to visit my father's family. And um, we saw snow. That was the first time we saw snow actually in Georgia. Wow. And believe it or not, it snowed one time. It was, a, it was the only time it snowed. It might not it might have been, it might have snowed again since that time, but it snowed when I was in the sixth grade mm-hmm. in Florida. It was the first time it had ever snowed in Florida. Wow. So I actually saw just a light layer of snow. We thought that was real snow, but what we realized that wasn't really snow. But yes, it's frost. <laughs> yeah, it's frost. Yeah, but we got so excited. We took pictures of it. But yeah, thank goodness um being here as a child, I got to see snow for the first time. Yeah, I I'm like you. Like I don't really like the cold weather. I get mm-hmm. excited when the seasons are changing and we're and, and it's like it's it's turning into cold. But after a couple of weeks or so, it's like okay, I'm ready for it to be warm again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate. And and yeah, just coming here, I didn't even have really winter clothing. I didn't have like a really thick coat. You know, mm-hmm. really thick shoes because I you know was so used to like I said, spring and summer for the most part. It yeah. may get cool, but not, you know, not cold. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Florida. Um, yeah. I think I've maybe driven through Daytona Beach, um, that area, but I I love, like, Florida, like, all aspects of Florida, too. I, I think it's a great yeah. place to vacation. Your family is still there? Yeah, well, my mother is still there. She is uh, going strong, retired now in her mid, a late 70s now. And then I have, um, I lost my sister last year, but my niece and nephew are there. And I have some aunts that are there, they're elderly, and a host of cousins that are there. So I still have a lot of family there. And I went home this summer and I do love Florida. I do love the beach, you know, growing up with a beach so close to your house, um, you miss the water. And so I was able to, you know, experience that. And then of course, family and um, and then there's a slowness still, even though Daytona has grown since I was a child, you know, sometimes when you're in the big city and you're on 285, you just appreciate just the smaller roads with, you know, yeah. you know, no expressway. Like, okay, I really appreciate some things. Um, and I've always, you know, I've kind of contemplated at a certain point when I move back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, you know, I, I love Georgia too. So I love both states really equally when I think about it. Now that we're having this conversation, yeah. I, think I love both states equally. Yeah, because I love Georgia yeah. too. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. It really, really is. So now you are you are a busy woman. You have a lot going on these days, and <laughs> um, I just want to thank you again for taking time out to speak with me today about your life and everything you've got going on with your different endeavors and all of that. Um, So right now I want to kind of get into all of the things that you have going on. You, first of all, I want to commend you because you're an award-winning educator. Like you served in the public school system for 30 years. Um, Is that right? Yes, for over 30 years. And actually this is my final year. I don't care what, if I can make it to the end of this year, it's going to be nobody but the Holy Spirit. But this is my 32nd year teaching. 
Wow. Um, I can't believe it myself. That <laughs> is amazing. But I have loved it though. I'm going to be honest. I, um, I was very blessed that I was able to do something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And education has changed a lot since I started. I started teaching in Florida, um, but um, it, it's changed a lot. But I am grateful that I've been able to serve. And I, I didn't want to get outside the classroom. I never wanted to be an administrator or something else, even though those opportunities came. I just I love teaching. So yeah, I've been te- and I'm still a middle school teacher. Um and like I said, by the grace of God, I'm trying to make it to at least December. Yeah, because I have other endeavors that I've I've now kind of focused on, but I'm grateful. So have you have you always taught like the middle school? No, actually I started in high school and I spent most of my career. Well, you know what? Now that I think about it, yeah, it's been high school. I spent most of my career in high school. In fact, when I moved here, I was at Frederick Douglass High School for almost 20 years. So I spent a lot of time in high school. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting when I was in Florida, I was mainly in middle school. Even though I started that first year, like half a year I was in high school. And I was like, I never want to teach middle school. But actually, there are pros and cons to both grade levels. And one of the beautiful things about middle school is that, you know, they are old enough to listen, okay. you know, and they, they can still understand. So you still have a chance to make a greater impact um, when you're trying to teach them certain things because, you know, they're old enough to understand and they're young enough to listen. Mm-hmm. Whereas when they get in high school, sometimes if their mind is made up, you know, if they're already closed off to certain things or let's say they're struggling and they're frustrated, they're just so afraid and ashamed to try again. With middle school, you you can still work with them and I can see a lot of progress. So, there are pros and cons, yeah, but it is a challenge. It is different. This this whole age is so different from when I first started. And speaking of differences, right now, I guess you're kind of leaving at the cusp of one of the major differences in teaching right now with all the yeah. online. Things yeah. On. How do you feel about that? Like without having that one on one, like you can't actually touch the children. Like you're like talking to them either through a mask or through a computer. Yeah, pros and cons. It's very interesting. I work for Douglas County Schools and Douglas County, you know, they scaffolded or they, uh, that was the term I want to use. They're they're rolling out their plan for in-person instruction. So they did um, elementary school last week. This week, well, this upcoming week is going to be middle school. So we will have face-to-face instruction or in-person instruction starting Monday. But then I also have students still online. And, you know, it's been a very interesting experience. Um, online actually works for some students, some students that would never participate in class in person or face to face. They participate more online because they're more comfortable. You know, they don't have to feel embarrassed about something. Um, you know, so it's very interesting. I since the since because of COVID, though, I do prefer I wish that we had gone to all digital. Mm-hmm. Just because, um, you know, we're hearing about, I was just reading some articles about what's happening in some of the colleges. As they roll out these in-person programs, people are getting sick. Wow. And they're having to go home. So there is a concern, even though we will be wearing a mask or so-called shield, we're in a space that really is compromising our health. 
So, you know, it, it's it's interesting. It's going to be playing out very interesting. But um, I know you have a spiritual podcast. I stay in a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just, you know, I'm going to monitor how things go. But because of the age level, I have a concern because, you know, they're, they're still not able to understand really the depth of the danger yeah. of disease and bacteria. It's our job to help teach them that. In fact, I said I need to prepare maybe a part, I mean, a, um, a PowerPoint or something just to remind them because generally middle school students, you know, they touch each other. They share utensils. You know, if anybody could get sick, it would be because they don't they don't get that it's dangerous not to do that. So their their little minds can't process that. So it's going to be interesting. But what's interesting also is that we don't have, I would say the majority of our students have chosen to stay at home. Yeah. We're not going to have a full house. So um, this is it's going to be a challenge. And I'm just praying. I'm asking God to help me to, you know, serve other people, because really, if I were just in my flesh and I would say, okay, I can't do this anymore, I'd probably walk off the job, you know, and I'm (laughs) pursuing other things. It just so happens that at the same time this is happening, I'm trying to open a bookstore. Yeah, so, and, and we're going to talk about that bookstore, too. I, I wanted to make sure we definitely get that in, in on our yeah. talk. But I'm going to be praying right along with you and oh, all, thank you so much. all of the people who are praying for our, our teachers and our students across the world who are going through these different changes and everything. Let's go ahead and take a, a short little break here. Okay. And when we come back, we are going to get into your bookstore and all of the other great things that you have going on. Thank you so much, Valerie. Okay. You're listening to the Yes, That Girl podcast. Our guest today is Cherie Hardy of Avant-Garde Books. Thank you so much for everything that you do as an educator and all that you provide to to children and just to the world. I think every aspect of what I know about you has been about you being a giver. And that's why I really wanted to have you on today because I think we are just living in such trying times. And I want people to understand that when you focus on gratitude and Uh and a giver, like your life is just so much more fuller. And and I'm not saying that it doesn't matter to things that are going on in the world, but I feel mm-hmm. like they don't impact you quite the mm-hmm. same. And if you're not careful, you can just absorb all of this negative energy. And so it's important to just continue to put positivity out in the world, spread it as much as possible. And you are doing exactly that. You are an entrepreneur. You're coming out of um, your teaching career. And I would say, looks to me like you are taking everything that God has poured into your life over the past 30 years and now using it to pursue other things in your life. You are a best-selling author. You have created like so many books on your own and you help authors, including myself, which is how we met, um, Mm -hmm. to share so many different stories. Talk to me about your life as an author and some of the books you've written. Thank you, Valerie. Well, um, I um, started writing actually when I was a teenager, and that came from the fact that when I have to give my sixth grade teacher a lot of credit, I became an avid reader in the sixth grade because I had a teacher that would read to us every day after lunch. And in Florida, sixth grade was still in elementary school. So, you know, after lunch, 
she would read us these beautiful stories and most children would fall asleep. And at some point, I just felt like she was just reading to me because I would be the only one still awake. So it ignited this interest in stories. And later I found out, you know, the brain is wired to understand things through stories. So I always wanted to write and tried to write in high school and ended up throwing that little, you know, novel or manuscript away. And fast forward um, as a teacher in the inner city, you know, I would give my students like little life lessons because in the inner city, you know, you have to teach the whole child. You're not just trying to educate the brain, but you want to educate the heart. And many of my students face challenges and I knew that they could overcome them because I had overcome some of them myself. So they would say, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And eventually I tried to write a book. So my first book was actually like a self-help book. And it came out and it was really just an effort because this was before, um, you know, self-publishing had really started to um, kick off. And I was, um, I tried to put something together, but it was Love Doesn't Hurt. Love Doesn't Hurt, Life Lessons for Young Women. Later that same year, I noticed that Oprah titled her, her one of her shows, Love Doesn't Hurt. I was like, wow, did she hear about my book? I didn't get invited to the show, nevertheless. But the whole phrase, love doesn't hurt. I had prayed about that, God. I was dealing with some things and I wanted to share that when people say they love you, they shouldn't be hurting you at the same time. So um, I um, started there and then the rest, I just kept writing and writing during my summers. And believe it or not, even though I've written a lot of books, I haven't really promoted my books. So I'm looking forward to, as a bookseller, I get to sell them, but like none of my books are on Kindle. Um, I haven't really done any ads for any of my children's books. Like I haven't really tried to, you know, promote them and market them. So the next phase of my life, God willing, I'm going to be doing that because I just want to, you know, share something, add my little two cents, so to speak, to whatever's out there already. Well, one of your books, Three Nights in December, your first novel. Tell me about mm -hmm. that one. Well, um, yeah, I, I've, I've read a lot of novels and I wanted to write a novel. You know, it's interesting. Let me go back. I actually was watching a movie and I was so bothered by the fact that, you know, black women are not portrayed sometimes in movies as the, you know, the desirable one. Um, she's not the center, you know, of love. It's not loving. And I wanted to create novels where Black women are desired, they are good, they are beautiful, they are celebrated. So actually, that's kind of how Three Nights in December got started. I was watching something, I was bothered by it. And I said, you know, I'm one of those people, I believe that I have to be the agent of change. I have to, you know, be the change I want to see in the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this novel where she is the object of not just desire, but she's loved. Because it's a very clean book. It's not you know, it's not erotica, but there is love in it. It is a love story um, and it, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's where Three Nights in December got started. I had to add some action. I just let my imagination go wild. But in the process of doing that, you know, I do a lot of research of certain things and I don't want to give any spoilers, but I believe my phone is now tapped because of some of the stuff I was trying, you know, it has a little, it has a little, you know, um, intrigue to it. So I was looking up different little things. So I was like, okay, let me watch this. But yeah, it is a novel, a love story actually, but it has action. It has a little bit of suspense, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so would you say as you 
move into this next phase of your life, you're focusing more obviously on your bookstore and I want to hear about that. But as far as your writing, are you writing more novels? Yeah, I have everyone that loved it asked me to do, you know, a part two. And actually during the summers I would write. So I have started, I would say a good maybe seven novels and have not finished them. And one of them I'm so close to finishing and I really want to finish it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That That is one of my number one priorities right now is to get at least two or three of those novels finished. Are they all within the same genre, like romance? Uh, yeah, kind of romance and action. And there is some spirituality. I know my daughter is like, mom, you know, I have to put my faith in there. And, I, and, and she's always concerned about me trying to reach a broader audience so I can, you know, um, do that. But yeah, it has a little spirituality, action, romance, all of that. Again, I want positive images of Black women, Black men too, but it's, you know, it's that along that same genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you ha- and I have a, a similar struggle there because I try mm-hmm. to use so much, um, not that I'm trying to encourage people to believe what I believe, but I mm-hmm. want people to know that there is a greater good and yes, like there is, there's, there's this light and this energy force that's around you at all times. And you, I don't know how you can live without acknowledging that. And so I try to infuse that in my writing as mm-hmm. well. And, and it does become kind of a challenge um, because mm-hmm. you have to tread these thin lines with how far you can go and, and mm-hmm. still try to reach people at the same time. So I'll be praying for you uh, uh, along that regard too, because I know <laughs> that can be a bit of a struggle. Now, speaking of your yeah. daughter, um, you have a beautiful daughter and you guys work together, right? Yeah, um, we work together. It, it is amazing. Yeah, it's a blessing. She's my right hand. And um, when we started the business, she had um, fin- just finished college and she was working. She really wasn't working a job that was paying a whole lot. But I remember saying, I want to take this business to the next level. And she was so willing to, you know, quit her job and work on the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, there are a lot of things that, you know, I wouldn't even have if it weren't for her because right now we're mobile. So I need her, her, her strength to her youth, you know, yeah. um, you know, even though she's 30 years old, she's got a lot more youth and strength than I have. And she also, I'm, I'm just blessed to have a child and I raised her this way to never, to always help me stay focused on what matters. Mm-hmm. You know, I raise her to be positive. And sometimes if I drift off into you know, worry land or just being negative, she would get me on check, you know, like, mom, wait a minute, watch what you're saying now we got, you know, so I appreciate it. She is like hot sauce though. My daughter is, is is like hot sauce, you know, so um, that's her nickname, but um, I'm so grateful to God that we can work together. And um, I know a lot of people, you know, don't have that. And it is a challenge sometimes because sometimes we don't see, we have the same end in mind, but we don't see the same way in terms of how to get there. Mm-hmm. And I, we have a rule. I said, you know, you do whatever you want to do for the business. If it's not going to hurt the business, you do it because I'm going to do whatever I want for the business and I'm not trying to hurt the business. So sometimes, you know, we, we go through that, but there is always love in the middle of it, but we and do the- have challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can feel the the love just in the way you set up your displays and everything. Now, your business um, is Avant Garde Books. Yes. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Yes, you okay. did. <laughs> so, so what is what is the meaning of the the name of your business? 
and Very tell us good. all about what it is exactly. I know you're mobile right now. So. Mm-hmm. Well, avant-garde is a French term. I'm a, I'm a French teacher. Well, this year I'm teaching ELA, but I've been a French teacher for most of my career. So I always like that little spice to my language and use French words. And avant-garde really is a term that's kind of related to art. It's you know something that's coming out ahead of its time. It's advanced. It's before its time. Avant means before. So I wanted to have, when I first used avant-garde, I wanted to, um, uh, I was using it as a publishing um, imprint for my books, my own books. And then I just decided, okay, well, let's just make it a bookstore, you know, avant-garde books. So that's kind of where I got the name from, um, avant-garde. So we're going to be ahead of our time. We want to be different. I um, I met this man at one of our book fairs and I he was a business owner and he was kind of encouraging me. And I just said, sir, what 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 could I do? Um, because there are a lot of bookstores out there and we were online and it's very hard, believe it or not, to sell online um, because you're kind of like a small fish in a really big ocean. Mm-hmm. So um, but anyway, he said, you know, be like that purple elephant. He was saying, just be like the purple elephant and, you know, be different. And so it kind of ties into Avon. You know, we want to be ahead of our time. We want to do things um, that maybe might not have been done because for us, it's not about just selling books. We really, really want to promote literacy and encourage more people of color to read, especially children. Um, even with all the things I do, I read every day. I have to, you know, I read novels. I try to read, you know, the books that we sell and, um, and I've been so blessed by literature, as I was saying, starting in the sixth grade. So I, I that's what it's all about for us. Do you think that by promoting um, literacy in this way through X, I know earlier you mentioned about how reading helps with wiring your brain. Mm-hmm. And I, it seems like you target a specific audience with your books and with your events. Um, why is that important? Well, you know, as a teacher, one of the things that I learned about is something called the one million um, word gap. And there have been studies done on why African-American children start school knowing so many less words, a million words less than other children. So I became very fascinated by this. And it's because, you know, other groups are reading to their children more during those very critical ages, you know, one to five. So that's why we target mainly children. Most of our inventory, when we do our book fairs, we have probably more children's books because we want children to read. We really want them to read more than anyone else because that's the foundation of all learning. Mm -hmm. As an educator, it is so painful when you have a child that gets to middle school or gets to high school and cannot read at all. And then you have another set of kids. You have kids who can read, but they don't read. So you're left out of an entire world of information. Um, and reading stories, they enlighten us, they educate us, they, they give us so much. And so that's why we target mainly children. Um, that's why when we parents come to our table, a lot of parents, there are a lot of myths about literacy. You know, there are people writing books about literacy and reading, but I'm a teacher. And I have a worm's eye view. And one of the things that parents get caught up in are these things called Lexile levels and reading levels. And I say, I read children's books all the time. And I've learned so much from reading children's books. I say, let children read whatever they can read. And age levels really don't matter. 
It's about the content. They'll eventually graduate to complex levels, but let them read stories. They're incredible stories. I just read a story about called Trombone, a Trombone Shorty. Um, it's called The Five O'Clock Man, about a real story about a band in Louisiana. And after um, the flood, Katrina, um, Hurricane Katrina, how it changed children learning how to play instruments mm -hmm. and these live jazz bands. And I want to support that organization. And he's trying to educate children, keep that tradition of children learning music. Um, I would have never known that if I hadn't read that book, you know? Yeah. So I just think that, you know, we, we all need to read, but especially children, because that's how they, they need to see the vocabulary. They need to see the language structure. Well, you are specifically reaching out um, to, to youth and, and children in so many ways. But one of the things you have going on now is you've established a GoFundMe page, right? Um, yes, you, That's one of your initiatives. You're looking at opening a, a, an actual bookstore. Yes, we need that brick and mortar. What happened when I first started the business is I noticed that every time we did an event and it was face to face, we sold books, we did well. But a lot of people don't know this, but I make very little money from online sales because the biggest retailer in the world is Amazon. And the main thing they sell are books and Amazon can go out and buy you know, 500,000 books so they can offer that book for less versus a little fish like me, you know, I can't do that. But through people like experience and through face-to-face -face sales and being able to look through the books. And in fact, my best friend's name is Valerie, by the way, uh, Valerie Moore. And I asked her, I said, well, why is it that we're selling, we're not selling any books online? And she said, well, you know, people want to look through the books. So that's when I kind of started the face-to-face. -face, and that's why we need a bookstore because we need a place, not just for selling books. We need story time. Mm -hmm. um, you'd be amazed, Valerie, people who come to our table and they want to buy books for their children and they can barely read the titles of the books. Mm. And so, our, and I'm in the heart of the community. I mean, I'm in West End and that's where we really need to be. We need to be in the heart of the community. Um, right now, West End is, um, they're, they're negotiating, you know, some ownership things. And so we had to put our things on on pause. But, um, you know, we still doing our book fairs, but we're just waiting to see how this deal is going to go. And we're, we're going to be somewhere in the heart of the community. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah. yeah, we need a place for story time. We need a place for people like you to come in. And if you just want to do an empowerment talk or talk about your book, it's, and also, that's another thing. There's so many great authors like you who have independent stories, and I want to give them a broader audience. They need a place because online is sterile. You know, you're not seeing that person. You're not hearing that person where they could do a book signing and a talk. So mm -hmm. what I realize is that we it's, it's more than a book store. It's more like a community center. It's a place for learning. It's a place for sharing. And um, Barnes and Noble is still in business yes. and they're not going anywhere. Now we have the challenge because at my age, I don't want to go out and get a hundred thousand dollar loan and to build any space for, because we, we're going to have a cafe mm -hmm. and that's really for the ambiance, but also for sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that cafe build out is, is a lot um, no matter where we go. And so, and then we're going to, you know, so there are things that we need and that's what the GoFundMe is about. It's really about raising money for the renovations for the space. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And initially we were going to be in West End and we, you know, every space I looked at is going to need major renovations. It's, it's flooring, painting for sure, but the build out of creating a small space for, you know, the cafe part, that's kind of what it, it really costs the most. So I started the GoFundMe, um, you know, we did, got a few donations at first and we're, what inspired me was a little girl out in California. She raised $82,000, Valerie, in one month for a bookstore, for a bookstore. So at three o'clock in the morning, I was online, you know, posting something on our Twitter about our book fair. And I saw that this young lady had done it. And I said, you know what, maybe I can do it. So and the donations have kind of stopped, but I'm not giving up, of course. And I just said, I'm going to, I have to start no matter what. I've got to start somewhere, even if I have to. I, I don't know how I'm going to, I just know God is going to do it. I just, I'm, I'm not going to tell how. I, I believe that too. I'm going to believe, believe it right along with you. And the GoFundMe page is help us open a bookstore in West End Mall. Yes, it is. Thank you. Okay. So um, we'll definitely promote that here uh, on the show. And, and in the blog, we'll, we're also talking about literacy matters um, this week. So for all my listeners out there is gofundme.com and the link is help us open a bookstore in West End Mall and I I appreciate you for going into that area of our city there are so many areas um, in major metropolitan cities across the world even where it seems like the access to books and the Mm -hmm. just people talking to you about the importance of reading like that's a huge gap, and I, I apply mm-hmm. your efforts for looking to to fill that in. I remember a time when there were several bookstores um, throughout the Atlanta area, and so many of them have closed right now. We, I mm-hmm. guess, you can maybe count on your hand how mm-hmm. many uh, brick and mortars we have. Um, and I know in this time of COVID, it's probably even more of a a struggle and a challenge um, for. Mm-hmm bookstores so for you to be going after this at this particular point in time I I think it's I think it's amazing and thank you for doing that thank you yeah I'm looking at my sister and brother bookstores um uh you know the one may do which is still in West uh Greenbrier Mall and Mm -hmm. it's been there for 30 years and then there's one um Nubian bookstore which is on the south side of Atlanta they have been there for a while and there's a little gym called the listening tree that's a children's bookstore they only sell children's books and that is indicator and they inspire me because they've been in business for years um and it's just i said you know there's enough god is a god of plenty and there's enough room for all of us to have a bookstore um, if you got, you know, a thousand McDonald's and a thousand Burger Kings and a thousand Wendy's, then, you know, we get all awesome. <laughs> right. You know, you got all these different, you know, got cook out all these different restaurants. We can have more bookstores. And again, I think our niche is going to be story time. We're going to have the cafe will be the only bookstore that has the cafe in it. So that's again, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just really, you know, praying. And I know God is going to work it out some way, somehow that we can have that and that will, the profit margin for books is a little narrow more than other retail products. Um, So especially when you're on my scale, but you know, the cafe would really help us. And that- I I think you're so, but you're so creative and like, you know, so many people. I'm I'm pretty sure that once you get this 
everything up and going, you'll be able to add to your collection. And I, I think another thing that really makes bookstores popular um, is just the ambiance and when, mm-hmm. you, when you walk in there and you can offer other things too um, to like go along with like bookmarks. Um, yeah, well, we got writing, journals, <laughs> yeah. journals and things like there's so and, many things you can sell in, um, in, a, in a bookstore. And we added t-shirts too. We haven't added them to our online store, Mm -hmm. but our slogan, um, our trademark slogan is invest in your brain. And we would wear these shirts and everybody wanted them. So we said, why not sell them? And so now we, I just got them, Valerie, last Saturday was the first time we ever had some. We sold four. That was the first time we ever had them. We haven't even marketed them yet. And we're adding another t-shirt and that again is like you said. We need these other things. Yeah. Um, we do have bookmarks. We do have different kinds of bookmarks. But, um, but I, you know, yeah, we want to be different. And we just that side of town. We for our children's sake, we really need to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I again, I'm just praying and I'm going to believe that somehow, some way, I have applied for some grants. And I'm in a catch-22 because I'm not a full-time business because we basically work, you know, on the weekends. Um, we don't do a lot of work. So then, you know, most grants, you got to be full-time for you to be considered like a serious contender for these grants. I'm well, like, that's coming. I mean, you're about to be full-time. Like, yes, It's just all coming in in time. So thank you. We, thank you so we're going to talk. We got to talk it like it's going to be. So I know that's right. And I heard your other podcast. I love what you said. I'm listening to your podcast last night about the five seconds or five minutes. You know, you say something mm-hmm. to yourself. And, you know, we have to watch the positivity that is, you know, I, and I and I I'm working on that. I want to be positive. I want to, you know, my daughter says, don't say will, you know, speak in the present tense. You know, she always gets something about that. Absolutely. And I love your I podcast. I learned a lot last night. I listened. Absolutely. to one. Yeah, it was great. I want to keep listening. And I and my phone is overloaded, but I'm going to get a new phone. That's why I didn't add. I'm going to because I want to add the um the app. So that I can, you know, listen to you in the car and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's. I appreciate you for mentioning that. Definitely get the Anchor app. Um, but you don't have to just listen to me on Anchor. I am also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, mm-hmm. everywhere. We can listen to podcasts. You can hear the show now, and and that's all being God just opening up those doors. So. Yes. I'm really, really grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to come on today. Now, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, is there any advice or words of wisdom that you would give to others who may be considering um, opening their bookstore or or yeah. any, or any operating any business? I know it's, it's, there are challenges, so many challenges to, to being an, an entrepreneur. What, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give to others? Well, you mentioned it um, in the beginning of your show, the top of your show, you talked about gratitude. Um, I think we have to, a person has to be grateful for life itself and to understand that when life is given to us, it's given for one reason, and that is to help other people. It's to elevate others, it's to inspire. We have a command to love God with everything, our heart, mind, soul, body. And the other one is to love our neighbors as ourselves. So that's the biggest thing is to be grateful for life and to show gratitude to the creator. You have to use your life for good. And if you're not going to do that, then 
work on doing that. You know, if you're not doing that, if you're not working to help build something, somebody or something in a positive way. And then the other thing, I call them the fraternal twins, hope. You know, I keep hope no matter what happens. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but I keep hope because I keep seeing businesses open. I did a post about this. Trees are growing taller. Flowers are blooming. Healthy babies are being born. You know, people are surviving. Um, businesses are thriving. And I've, I'm a person, I believe, hope and gratitude will keep you from, through everything. You know, keep hope alive. Under my sister, that's what she always tells me. Keep hope alive, no matter what. So I tell all business owners or anybody who is aspiring to do anything, be grateful for your life. If you're here, it's for a reason. And that reason is to serve others in some way or some form. And how you do it is going to look different from maybe somebody else, but that's it. And then always be hopeful. Be hopeful in the creator, knowing that he's created you for something, you know, and that he's going to be with you and he's going to walk with you and he's going to take care of you and guide you if you just surrender to him. Absolutely. I, that is, that is the perfect ending to our talk. Thank you so, so much for that. Now, is there anything that I did not ask you that you want to share at this point? No, I am just so grateful that you invited me. I I admire you too. I admire what you're doing. Um, and I'm I'm grateful and thank you so much, Valerie. God bless thank you. Thank you. God bless you too. That is Sheree Hardy of Avant Garde Books. Definitely check check her out, folks. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into today's show and, and, and hearing my talk with Cherie. Now, Cherie, before we let you go, one more thing. Um, what's your website? How can people get in touch with you? Okay, thank you. Well, they can go to avantgardebooks.net, which is A-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E, and then books.net. And this may be easier to remember. We have a subsidiary. They can go to brownivybooks.com and it'll just turn back to avant-garde books. But Brown Ivy Books may be easier to remember. Brownivybooks.com and that's our website and everything is there. Our social media, our phone number, our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that is there. And more information about what we're trying to do in our community. Thank, Thank you. you. That is amazing. And we will definitely be checking out your website. I will share it on this week's blog. Many, many blessings are coming your way. Thank you so much for sharing your life with us today and, and with the world always. Thank you. And same to you, Valerie. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Avant-Garde Books is a Black-owned, mother-daughter online bookstore hosting book fairs throughout the city of Atlanta, Georgia, primarily at the Mall West End. Their mission is to strengthen and support literacy development around the world, especially for children who reside in socioeconomically disadvantaged communities. Their vision is to build a community of lifelong learners who constructively use knowledge to empower themselves and others. Visit avantgardebooks.com because literacy matters. Let's read together and invest in your brain. Well, folks, we have come to the end of another episode of the Yes, That Girl podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's show and I 
highly encourage you to visit my website on a weekly basis. And if you don't want to just hang out over there weekly, you can subscribe and get regular inspirational notes and nuggets from me on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, so check it out at yesthatgirl.com where we'll also be going a little bit more in depth with our talk about literacy and the things that we learned today from Cherie Hardy and other ways you can follow her and support avant-garde books. Check it all out this week at yesthatgirl.com. And as we sign off today, I just want to share something that I borrowed from Mr. Luther Washington II, one of Atlanta's most brilliant, accomplished pianists and musicians. Luther Washington is absolutely amazing. You got to check him out. But anyway, he sent me a really nice note online and I'd just like to share it with you. It's a wish that he sent to me that I'm going to share with you. It says that my wish for you today and always is a heart free of sadness, a mind free of worry, a life full of gladness, a body free of illness, a spirit full of blessings, and a day filled with love. Thank you so much for listening today, folks. I love you. I really, really do. And there is nothing you can do about it like I keep telling you, except love me back. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you.